read this for us just as we were worshiping the Lord. It's in um, Exodus 33. And it actually talks about Joshua and how he lingered in the tent. It says this. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend. And when Moses turned again into the camp, his assistant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. And I love that scripture. It's very interesting because that was before Moses was leading God's people. And in many ways it showed his heart to linger in the house of the Lord, not to depart. I don't know about you, but I find it so easy to depart. There's so many distractions. There's so many things like, okay, I think my time is up. But I just, just as a sense this morning, it was, I feel really privileged to be here, just to, just catching your hearts as you're praying, seeking God beforehand, just the words that are coming through. I can just sense that that's on your heart, to follow Jesus, to look at Him. And I just want to encourage you really just to continue in that place. Be those that linger in His house, man. Even when things don't make sense, even when it's not in our paradigm, but to linger in His house. Because without Him, we have nothing. We can't accomplish anything without Him. I could have just, we could have just camped there, hey? Let's just pull up, pitch the tent. <laughs> Jesus, isn't this the place? <laughs> Man. But, uh, yeah, thank you, Lord, hey? It's wonderful worshiping with you guys, and I find it really privileged to be here. Um, not anyone who's accomplished anything by my own means. In many ways, the world would look at maybe some things and go, wow, you know, that's really cool. But I've realized that without Him, I actually have nothing. It's like He sees straight through me, and I've got nothing to offer. So even just coming here this morning, um, I just really want to offer you what He's been speaking to me about, to you guys, as I've just prayed. I don't want to add anything. I don't want to plus. I don't want to minus anything. And um, it really is a privilege to be here. So... So my name's Matt, and um, my wife is Shan, and we've got our two little kiddos. We actually got another one on the way, and uh, which is, yeah, really exciting. So if you want to pray for us, <laughs> we'll be here afterwards. <laughs> we'll be the first to respond. And uh, also know that you guys are, I think, about a year into your guys' plant as well. And uh, I must share this church planters joke because it was shared with me with someone who also planted recently when getting up here for the first time. You know, you, you get up, you lead the meeting. You play on the guitar or you lead worship, you preach the word, and then you respond to your own message. And it's like, in many ways, what it's often like. <laughs> but uh, so, we, so we've been going for about a year, and it's been a real privilege. Um, down there in Durban, Risen Hope Church, there's about 35 of us in communities. And um, yeah, we're really just loving what God is doing. And uh, you're really privileged to do that. Um, before that, I was part of Brad's team and, and Sean Brothers' team specifically in Oxygen Life. Uh, served on the eldership team there for a few years and then planted out of there. So I know Rob, but also he's here as well from Oxygen. And, and Dave as well, bro, from back in the day. It's really, really cool seeing you guys. So, so just as I was praying and just, yeah, just waiting on the Lord to what to share with you guys, you know, the real sense I had is that, um, I don't know about you guys, but the world is different to what it is today. And there's a lot of things going on. You know, electricity doesn't work. <laughs> The water sometimes got problems. Our water, we've had like a cola, like not just in the water, but actually in the oceans. You can't actually swim in Durban. It's just the cola levels are dodgy, unless you want green ears and like your nose to fall off. 
but uh, it's really dodgy there, so please just chat to us if you come down to Durban before you get in the water, okay? Um, but there's a real sense that the world has kind of lost its marbles in many sense, and, and so what do we do as God's people when that happens? How do we know where to go? You know, what are we called to do? And, and in many sense, how do we follow what is planned for our lives? How do we lead churches? How do we lead our wives? How do we lead our families? How do we lead where God's called us in, in the workplace? And in many ways, it's to look at Him and not always to look at what we think is best. And really what I want to share about is I want to base this even today out of Proverbs 3 from verses 1 to 6. So we're really going to look at this as kind of a base scripture that we're going to build on. And it really talks about looking at Him and not leaning on our own understanding, but in all our ways acknowledging Him, and He makes our path straight. So let's read it together. Proverbs 3, uh, 1 to 6. It says, My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For the lengths, um, no, no, all good, all good, all good. Um, for the lengths of days and years of your life and peace, they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablets of your heart. So you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him. And He will make your paths straight. Amen. Wonderful passage, eh? I find it so simple. <laughs> it's like, I sometimes want to try and like, okay, God, like where are you at? What are you doing? But it's really just quite simply puts that we've actually got nothing to offer. But when we come to Him, He leads our ways and makes our path straight. But the first thing I want to say there is when you look at the, the reason why I, I wanted to read from verse 1 is that the first part there talks about us being His son or His daughter and being His children. And the first thing we need to know when it comes to God and who He is, is He wants to be our Father. He wants to lead us. And, and like a father, a father always actually knows and a mother always knows what's best for the children, right? In many ways, the children will resist and say, no, Daddy, I don't want to. I want to stay up later, Dad. I want to jewel, Dad. My friends are here. And you're like, my boy, I know what's going to happen in the morning. <laughs> I know what it's going to be like. But we have to parent our kids well, you know. You know, my boy, when we, he's three years old, so he's just learning different things. Eli's just started grabbing different things. But when Shan's cooking or we're making dinner, the, you know, the stove's on. I'm like, don't touch the stove because you're going to get hurt. You're going to get burnt. You know, don't cross, don't run the road. Like, let's hold hands as we cross the road. Um, and they don't know what they don't know. But a good father knows what his children need. And he wants to lead them into that. And the question also is, do we receive God to be like that? That he knows, that do we trust him? And do we believe that he's got better things for us than what we think we know? Because he created this world. And I, he did it in six days. I don't know what you did in the last six days. I, I didn't do much in the last six days. You know, I sat under teaching, you know, <laughs> gone on a plane and came here and other things. But he created this world in six days. He gave us air to breathe. He, we can trust Him. We can. I encourage you to. <laughs> but uh, it seems so simple. But when you look in this passage too, there's actually two different ways of approaching how we do life. 
in many ways we approach life to, to grow in our own understanding or it's actually to see where God is and to follow Him. Amen? And those two ways often also represent two different voices in our lives or two different spirits that we follow. And the first is obviously when we follow the way of our own understanding. And it really stems from a desire to know and knowledge, which isn't a bad thing. Learning and understanding and being equipped and, and built into it is, is a good thing. I, I uh, studied um, to be an architect for, for five, six years, then you would write board exams. So about seven, eight years later, that's when you fully are qualified. And then I worked for seven and a half years. That's well, so I, I studied, we used to do books, we used to write like thick pages, I think don't, not so much as lawyers and, and, and that kind of thing, but I felt like we, we did learn a little bit. <laughs> but we would build models and you'd do presentations and those are, that's all good, man. It's, it's good to, you need to know those things. Otherwise, if you don't know, you know what the building needs or what, how to design a building, it's just not going to work out. It's going to be miserable. You need to work out the acoustics, you know, like making sure the lighting is good, making sure there's exits, making sure that even colors, the way we perceive things, but I'm not going to go down that way. But, see, you're getting carried away here. But uh, it's not a bad thing, but it's, it can very easily become and replace God in how we do that. And I want to read also just a passage in Genesis 3, which talks a little bit about this, because sometimes we think it's something now we've learned being, you know, lived on this earth for longer than others, but actually... This desire for knowledge is right from the beginning. In Genesis 3, it says this, from verses uh, 4 to 6. It said, But the serpent said to the woman, you will, sure, you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a, a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. And you know, it's interesting, just three words to pull out of that passage very quickly, is that word, surely. It's that word, it actually, and that word, surely, like surely it's, you're not going to die. Surely it's going to be okay. And that's actually rooted in assumption. It's rooted in actually thinking you know what is right when you actually don't. It's like presuming. It says, when you're looking at the definition of it, of assuming, it says the act of taking something for granted, taking it upon oneself, and it's taking uh, possession of something that's not necessarily even your own. You know, it's like borrowing something that's not yours, you know? Borrow your dad's car without asking. It's going to be an interesting talk when you come home, right? Um... And then the second, it says, because you will be like God. And in many ways, we have this thing of wanting to actually know and actually wanting things to be in our own control, you know? I used to play a lot of hockey when I was growing up and when I got to varsity and I saw they were doing hockey trials and they started running and training, I was like, okay, I'm not doing hockey anymore. <laughs> but I used to love playing hockey and I used to actually play um, provincial hockey and uh, ended up also refereeing hockey. And, and it's the nice thing about being a referee or umpire is you're in control. It's like, oh, that's a foul. Stop everyone the whole game. You know, I think at one time the coach got out of control and I gave a coach like a, a card <laughs> to sit on the side of the field. I felt like I had so much power, this little, this little lighty or this little fruit loop like coming here with cards and going, hey. 
But it's this thing of like, like I'm in control. I can control the game in many ways. If I, if I, if I want this team to win, well, then I'm just going to blow fouls for the other team. And they're going to take over and win. And I, I tried my best not to do that. But <laughs> before the Lord. Um, but in many ways, we can live our lives like that. We can go, actually, Lord, I don't want you to come into this area. I don't want you to go in that area. Actually, Lord, York, that's too far for me. It's beyond what I know. It's beyond my, my frame of reference. We can actually miss what God is doing. And the third thing is that actually it's a delight. The word delight. And understanding can be like that. It's wonderful to be equipped with knowledge. It's wonderful to know things. It's wonderful to be learned. You know, I found for me just planting, you know, I felt like I was an unbeliever before I planted, just seeing what the Lord has done in many ways. But it's because sometimes even in the life of the church, you can know things and you can understand things. Oh, okay, we put God in a box. You know, I know how he works. Or I've seen it before. And in many ways, movements have started upon that. We've seen how God works back then, so we're going to do the same now thinking that that's what God will do. We can actually miss what God is doing now. But we can delight in the understanding or knowing instead of delighting in Him. You know, when it comes to like delight and pictures, you know, I just think of these pictures of like Steers burgers and like those kind of things you see on the freeway, you know. It's this picture of like a fully course meal for 20 bucks. Then you go pay the 20 bucks and you get like chips that are like falling off and there's a bit of green in them and then like snail in your lettuce. And it's like, that thing didn't look like the picture. <laughs> but that's in many ways what it can be. Understanding and knowledge. It can be this picture of if only I would know more. But actually it's coming low. And it's coming to the Lord and say, Lord, I actually don't know anything. I feel like even in this season, the Lord's just again taking me to that place. It's like, you just don't know anything. But in some ways, it's actually the best place to be because we are then dependent on Him. He's our everything. It's like we're holding on to Him when we don't know what's happening. When the finances aren't coming through, we hold on to Him. Because the temptation for us is to lean on our own understanding. So it says in, in, in Proverbs 3, from verse 5, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. So we're not saying that understanding isn't a good thing, but it's what are we leaning on? Do we lean on our own understanding, or are we acknowledging Him? You know, when you lean on something, it's to deviate what you are supported on, what you are rooted on. So this building, the foundations, are, you know, the floors and the walls, they all are dependent on the foundation and the structure. But if they are not leaning on that and the foundation, then it's actually, if they're not built properly, it's going to skew and move. And that's many ways what the tower, leaning tower, I think Pisa is like in Italy, right? Have you seen that building? It's like slanted to the side. It actually wasn't, the, the, the soil I think wasn't good for that. But being an architect also, I, I know I can draw pretty things, but if I don't engage in, with a structural engineer, that thing's not going to work out. <laughs> I can assure you of that. Um, my dad and I often have jokes about that. He's a civil engineer, so we also, it's like, he's like, no, we need more. And I'm like, dad, don't you just want to feel great when you walk in? <laughs> but we need to make sure that our lives are built properly. And we don't lean on our own understanding, but we lean on him. 
Because very often as we go through life, there's things that come up that are actually far more than what we are supposed to carry. And what do we do in that place? Do we lean on our own understanding? Do we lean to what we know, what we've always done? Or do we say, God, I actually need your help. Please help me. Lord, I don't know where the bucks are going to come from. I, I, need, I need work, Lord. I don't know where the people are going to come from on, on a Sunday. can reach out to them, speak to them with us. But I can't tell a person, I can't force a person to walk in the doors. But I can be faithful. I can say, go speak to that person. Or I can go, go meet up with someone at that coffee shop. I can go talk to my neighbors. I can be obedient. But I actually have no control at the end of the day. He's the one that's in control. We also can trust God with our calls of what He's got for us in life. Not grasping for them, but trusting Him for the timing of those things. You know, for many years, I actually had a desire to, to, to be a deacon or to be a leader in God's house. But, but the Lord, in many ways, just closed the eyes of the leaders, which for me at the time wasn't a good thing. <laughs> it exposed pride in my heart. And like, Lord, I want this thing. I'm desiring this thing. But in many ways, the Lord had to deal with that thing in a big way before I was going to walk in any way of leadership. Because if I was doing it for a title or for a position, I wasn't doing it for Him. So I don't know if there's any of you that feel like that in this place, but I want to encourage you. Seek Him. Joshua, he was in the tent lingering before his time came. David was tending to the, shepherd, to the sheep. He was excluded from even being invited to anointed as king you guys know that story with, with Jesse's there with his sons putting all of his sons out Samuel I think comes in he's like are these all your sons and I mean imagine a father not even inviting his son that's hectic eh like father issues eh but what was he doing he was being faithful in the field when no one was looking and I think very often God's looking for that heart before He's looking for any other. Because the, op because the other option is that we trust in His ways. We acknowledge where God is. And He makes our path straight. And when we're talking about Him making our path straight, the inclination here is that actually the paths aren't always clear for our lives. We don't always know where we're going. You know, We don't always know where God calls for us. Can I show you for Durban that wasn't where we thought we were going? Leading a church, I actually never wanted to lead a church. I was never, that was never something that stirred my heart. I was always happy to go, cool, I feel this word, go for it, Ian. <laughs> that, seriously, I, I had no desire, I had no, it scared me because it's a, it's a weighty thing. Um, and man, this is his people, this is his church, it belongs to him. But I trusted him, and he, he leads our ways, you know. Um, and that's, that's our call for us in life, is to follow him and follow what he's doing. You know, being there up in Durbs, I grew up, I grew so, so both my wife and I, we grew up in Durban, um, and we both lived in just Durban North area. She was more longer. But uh, we ended up going to the Drakensberg. I don't know if you guys know the Drakensberg up there. It's such a beautiful place to go. I want to encourage you if you ever head that way. You're looking for a holiday break. It's a wonderful place to go to. And there's so many different walks. It's like Table Mountain, but with many other mountains. 
But I must say, driving on the road here this morning, I'm like, we've got no sea that's like a base before the mountains. It's so beautiful. I've never actually seen it quite from the side like that. But um, it's such a beautiful mountain range. But also, as you're walking and as you're going on there, you don't always know where you're going a lot of the time. And you have to follow the map. You have to follow where you're going. Because there's different obstacles and it's dangerous. In many ways, it's also like traveling without a GPS. <laughs> Have you ever done that? <laughs> it's not really going to work out too well. I don't know. I just, I'll, you know, even coming from the airport to where we're staying up in Malthus, it's like um, I had a route and I was sending it to my host. I was like, okay, cool. I think this is the best road. He's like, bro, don't go down that road. You're probably going to die. <laughs> you're not quite like that. But he was like, so even the GPS, it's like it looks, that's an alternate route. It's going to cut through things a little bit more. He's like, bro, just stay on the freeway. It's going to be better. And, uh, but in many ways, that's what we do, right? It's like we whip it out and go, cool, what's our template? What's our map? But we haven't actually engaged with the host. We haven't engaged with him and going like, actually, Lord, it will be a little bit longer, but it's going to be better. It's going to be safer for you. And so it's to trust in his ways, trust in his direction. In Psalms 119, it says, your word is a lamp to my feet. In many ways, it's not like a huge headlight. It's not going like, boom, okay, you're going to see exactly where you're going to go in 50 years' time. It's kind of like, dink, okay. There's the rock. Okay, I'm over here. Okay, puddle, hop over there. It's a lamp. And we need to know that that's again where we follow the light. Where is God shining? Where is He shining this morning for you? Where's his lamp on your life? Galatians 5 also says this, 5 verse 25. It says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. That doesn't mean it's like necessarily like we got the whole path laid out, but it's like, okay, Lord, are we here? Okay, cool, we're going here. It's like I, I just, when I read that scripture, I think of the beach and like walking and someone putting their feet in the sand. And I'm going like, okay, I need to follow where that person's footprints are. Because he knows where to go. He knows what's the best for your family. He knows what's the best for your kids. He knows where you need to be. Romans 8 says, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. You know, one of the scary things for us as a family was as before we planted and, and now we're hearing the Lord, well, actually I'll track back a little bit further. Before we even felt the call to really come and plant, we, so growing up in Durban for a bunch of years and um, yeah, we'd left, I'd left uh, Durban when I'd finished school and uh, went down to PE to study and my wife also, she studied at Rhodes and we dated long distance and then got married in PE. And so we were part of uh, Oxygen Life for me, it was about 12, 13 years and uh, really just getting exposed wonderfully to the life of God. And, but a few, I think it was about a year or two before we actually, the call was to plant, you know, Brad actually came up and, and he was like, hey, do you want to come work for the church? Do you want to come work as operations for the church? And, and you know, like, come full time, you know, it's going to be different. You will have to commit to this thing because it is going to be some time. You know, we need to build, like, train you up. And, and it seemed wonderful. I mean, I love the church. I don't know if... Anyone else here? I'm sure you guys all do. But, uh, but it's wonderful. I'm like, yo, it's going to be so lucky. I mean, all the guys do right. They just have coffee and tea. They don't do anything, eh? <laughs> eh? <laughs> no, we've been extremely blessed, eh? 
it's been a wonderful time just seeing just how you guys host has been in, in, insane. But uh, you have this picture, and so it's like, oh, it seems all good, makes sense. Had went for an into like a chat with the guys and praying, not feeling anything in the Lord. And then one morning, the Lord very clearly said, Matt, you must not do this thing. Or one, two, three, four, don't do it. And I'm like, Lord, you love your church? It seems totally awesome. I mean, he's like, Matt, don't do this. And I felt like I was throwing a tantrum in my heart. Have you ever seen like a three-year-old or like throw a tantrum? Eh? <laughs> We pray for you guys afterwards, you guys. Right over there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but a three-year-old can throw a serious tantrum. But I felt like, I was like, Lord, I, I want this thing. It makes sense. I don't understand. No, 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 no. So I had to go back. I said, Brad, listen, I don't, I don't know, but the Lord says no. And here we are a few years later. And uh, what actually happened afterwards is uh, we got put on the retrenchment list. COVID came. Going like, Lord, yo, it would be nice to have a job right now. <laughs> but just being put on that thing. And it's also they came and it wasn't for work ethic or anything. They just said, we got too many architects. You're just going to be one of the guys on the list. It might be you, it might not. I don't know. Are you like, cool. <laughs> and then sitting with my wife before, you know, Eli was born. He was born about two months before we planted. Looking at her, going like, are we going to do this thing? Meant for us resigning jobs. I had to resign an architect job. I'd worked for seven and a half years in the company. Shannon had a government post, which is, is a pretty cool thing to have as a teacher. You got lots of benefits there. You're going like, Lord, I don't understand. I can't see this thing. Is this wise for this child? And he began to speak to me. He said, my boy, how much do you think I love this child? I know you love this child, but how much do you think I love this child? And that was one of the things for me that led to us planting. I was just, he loves our children way more than we do. And we can trust him in what he's calling us to do. And we sit today where, you know, the Lord provided for finance for, for us. I did a little bit of architectural work, but it was month by month for him providing. We needed a job in Jan, with a, a few months after we planted. Chan got a job in January, the ex like pretty much bang on the month that you got at an old school that you grew up in. Being an art teacher, door just opened, wasn't even advertised, like her job before. She was getting a better salary, which helped in Durban. It was like 10, 15K more a month than what we thought we were in for. And God provided not only just for us, but for the people that came. I mean, he's given like for us, so there's about 35 of us, more than a third of us that God's provided jobs for. And finances, more than a third. I think it was about 13 plus, plus people. And you're like, Lord, I don't understand. We're sitting in our second venue now. We've also been over a year. A second venue for free. We're not paying a cent for that building. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, check. Got some glistening as I was, yeah. <laughs> no, it's, but it's such a nice place. It's lekker. But it's like, Lord... All the venues, actually all the other venues closed, and this one was the only option. It was an old um, uh, Assemblies of God building, sat with Brad, shared the heart, shared the story, and, and we're like, I knew this was like our last option. We got no hope. And the guys were like, man, if you guys are here for the gospel, we want to partner with you. And don't pass anything. And I was like, I like, okay, cool, I think we can work on this together, maybe. 
It's like, don't worry about it. And then when I sit in a building where actually we were approached as well, it's like, no, yeah, sure, I'll add that to one of the 150 other options I've got also that we can have a venue that we're going to move into. But my old teacher from grade seven, we're having, having coffee with Shan. She came up to us and said, hey, you know, you guys started a church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you guys have a place to meet? It's like, yeah, we do. Uh, well, if you ever need one, just come chat. And we'll help you. And, and she had just come on to acting principal because the principal resigned. So she's in a little window now where she's got power, basically. To <laughs> so it's like, I, I was having coffee with my wife. I was like, just connecting. And what's so interesting is another headmaster of another school that we were applying with for our boy to go to. She goes in, she's like, hey, you must see that kid, man. No, you must accept him. Let's <laughs> take him in. It's like, how do you organize that? Do not lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. And so what I just felt to even just close with, to leave you guys with, is God is looking for our faith. He's looking for our hearts. He's looking for us to trust Him, even when we can't see. Yeah, He wants us to trust Him. You know, when you're looking about trust and what it means, it's an active position of believing or relying on the truth or the ability of someone or something. That's what it means to trust, actively. Are we actively trusting in God for what He's got for our lives? Actively, every day. Lord, I, d I don't know. You know our needs at the end of the month. You know I've been praying for healing for, my, for years, Lord. Trust in you, God. I stand here today because my, I was completely healed. I was, uh, when I was pregnant, well, I wasn't pregnant, but my mom was pregnant, just to clarify. <laughs> but when my mom was pregnant with me, I was lying in a womb at an angle. And because of that, my whole hip and legs and foot was out of alignment. So when I was born, it was like club foot. I don't know if you've, have you seen that before? So my parents at the time was, Still lingering in the church, you know, like, oh, is this thing real, you know, scoping it out. And uh, they went to a home group, and I got prayed for, and I got completely healed. Completely healed. You can ask Rob, play soccer with him over the years, and Oxygen, and Dave, and having lots of fun, and running around. He is able. Think about Jesus going to the cross. Guys didn't understand what was happening. People of the day, they thought he was going to be king. They thought, and then he wasn't, and then they, now they don't know what's happening. Even when he died, they didn't know what was happening. But he rose to life. But he rose to life. And we have a living God who is active today. We worship, who we lift up, who we praise, who we know is moving. And we can trust in him always. And he is alive. He is alive, friends. And I want to encourage you, I want to hand over to Ian shortly, but just even as just sensing for you guys as a, as a church, I feel like the Lord just want to invite you to actually lay down understanding. Choose to give up. Choose to, Lord, it doesn't make sense. And then in that place, seek Him to go, God, where are you now? That might mean our times with Him are different. That might mean when we worship Him, 
We worship Him for four hours rather than four minutes or four songs. It might mean that we, hey, let's just gather to seek Him. Or, or we preach. Paul preached and like guys fell out of windows. Like they preached, a, you know, it's like, I don't know. The Lord was obviously on that, you know. Maybe not on that guy, but maybe on him being healed. Maybe that was, <laughs> we don't know. Is he calling us to pray? But where is God at? Love always trusts. You know, if we truly love God, we truly will trust him. 1 Corinthians says, 1 Corinthians 13 verse 7, it says, love believes all things. Do you believe in him? Do you know him? And I encourage you, go and look back. It's hard. It's hard. Sometimes you're like, Lord, I don't understand. I, I can't see. Why, why, why have I not been healed? Why have you not come through? I want to encourage you, don't give up. Because whether you see it in this life or not, we don't understand I don't know. I don't have the answers for you. But I do know He sees you. And I do know He's there for you. And I do know that He's able. And I do know that this time is short. But this what is coming is beautiful, man. And we live for that day. That day that He's coming home. That we're going to be with Him. Sorry. And uh, I'm going to hand over to Ian to just lead us. But just to put that before you guys, as a it's wonderful just in the prayer meeting and sensing through worship what the Lord is doing to encourage you to be a people that trust God, even when it's beyond what we see and what we know. Amen. That was, that was amazing. I've never seen that scripture like that before about do not lean on your own understanding. I've never seen it like that. It, it took an architect <laughs> to show me something. But I, I got this sense while we were sitting there, and I, I, I was just caught up in that, in that line, and, and I got a sense for us of, imagine you spent the rest of your life on one leg, and this is how you did it. You're going to be leaning all over the place. You're going to be relying on your core as your own strength to hold you up. You're going to be falling all over the place, and there's that sense of, that's what we do when we don't stand on the rock, when we don't just root ourselves. And, and, and that sense, what God gave me was just, when it says trust in the Lord, it's, like, it's that same word that, um, that Madhava brought earlier about abide in the vine. It's that sense of trust in the Lord means, means root yourself in the Lord and I've always thought about it intangibly. I, didn't, I, don't, I was trying to think. I don't even know how I used to think about that thing. But now, thank you. <clears throat> because now I can just think every time, am I leaning or am I standing straight? And so that might be you this morning. Maybe you are, and there was a prophetic word that came also earlier of people. You, you're keen to be with Jesus, but you're keen to be with the Jesus that you've created. You're not so keen to be with the Jesus that actually is. And just with what Matt just shared now, I want to give us all an opportunity. Maybe that's where you're at. Maybe, maybe you've never relied on God. Maybe you've always been leaning in your own understanding. Or maybe God has been speaking to you saying, I am not the God you think I am. I'm so much more. I've got so much more for you than what you've given me. And so maybe we can all close our eyes. And I want to read something over us. 
And as I'm reading this, it's a scripture that I'm going to read out of Colossians. But I'm going to read the scripture and then I'm going to finish with a question. And here's what I want to read. And it's out of Colossians chapter 3. No, chapter 2, sorry, it says. And with you, uh, and sorry, and with him, you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. You were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature. And your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all of your sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. 